0: can you really grow your channel from zero subscribers to making over $100,000 in less than a year? Well, Erica Kohlberg certainly has done it. And today's episode, she's going to share her tips and tricks. If you want to know if it's possible, well, this episode is exactly for you. Let's do this. Welcome to Tube Talk, the show dedicated to helping you become a better video creator so
1: you can get more views, subscribers, and build your audience.
0: Brought to you by vidIQ. Download for free at vidIQ.com. And welcome to another episode of Tube Talk. My name is Liron Segev. I'm a tech blogger, a YouTuber, and the director of customer success here at vidIQ, where every day we help creators big and small, level up their channels, get more subscribers, more views in less time. Growing a successful channel is a challenge for absolutely each one of us, and yet some people are able to do this and do this so super well, they can even make over $100,000 in less than a year, getting to over 70,000 subscribers again in less than a year. How do we do it? Well. Erica Kohlberg is an attorney and personal finance expert and the founder of a legal tech startup called Plug & Law. Love the name. Erica is also a content creator. She's got a personal finance YouTube channel. She has done the 70,000 subscribers, 4 million views in less than a year. Erica has got some serious lessons and some secrets to share with us. So Erica, welcome to Tube Talk.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Very excited. So Erica, tell us, who is Erica in a tweet?
1: In a tweet. I don't use Twitter. So what is that? Uh-oh. A few characters? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, keep it short, in other words. <laughs>
1: okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm a lawyer. I founded a legal tech startup and I am a YouTube creator.
0: Yeah, okay. Well, it's definitely less than 280 characters. So Perfect. You, you've done that well. All right. Let's, I've got, before we get diving into this, plug and law. What is that?
1: yeah it's just like plug and play it's a it's a play on that but mm-hmm. it's making law simple for content creators online business owners small business owners it's really my way of trying to make the law more affordable and accessible so we offer things like legal templates to help protect your business and if you want to register a trademark we offer that too so we're just trying to make the law more accessible for people
0: this is all about growing your youtube channel from zero to 70,000 in less than a year. Erica, you must have some serious secrets up your sleeve. Where do we even (laughs) begin? What did you do?
1: Yeah, so this is my saying, and I think this captures everything that I've learned in the past year, which is, to succeed on YouTube, you need to love it like a hobby, but treat it like a business. And by that, I really mean, you have to enjoy what you're doing. You have to have passion behind it. I don't think very few people who create YouTube with the intent of making money will succeed because it requires a lot more than that. I mean, you need to have this passion. You need to have this drive to want to spread your message, whatever you're talking about on your channel. But then at the same time, I think you also need to treat it like a business. So the same way you would have deadlines for your business, you have to have this consistent upload schedule. You can't just casually take a few weeks off and expect to succeed on YouTube, I think. So you have to have a consistent upload schedule. You have to really dedicate yourself to it and you have to bring quality every single video and you have to care about your reputation on the youtube channel just as much as you care about your reputation at work you need to constantly make sure that every single video is packed with so much value add that people genuinely want to hear more from you and i think that that's really the secret to youtube but you have to first and foremost love it like a hobby second think about the business and treat it like a business
0: okay i love that love it like a hobby but treat it like a business i think that is absolutely so golden Because at the end of the day, you are going to have to wake up every day and you're going to have to think YouTube, think your channel, what's my next video, how did my previous one do, have to go into the analytics and really understand it, really understand the audience. If you don't love it, well, and you're just going to treat it like it's a thing that perhaps will make you money one day, that's when creative burnout really, really happens because you're always on that hamster wheel. So I love that saying, love it like a hobby and treat it like a business. That should be a t-shirt, by the way. I'm just (laughs) just throwing it out there. Um,
1: I'll trademark it. (laughs) Yeah,
0: you you have a document for that, right? (laughs) (laughs) So let's go through kind of your channel and understand, tell us what you do on your channel just so we're all on that same page.
1: Sure. So my channel is in the finance niche. So I talk about things like investing and passive income and student loans. And to take a step back, the big motivation for me starting my channel was I graduated from law school with over $200,000 of student loans. And obviously that debt weighed on my shoulder and being able to pay them off really allowed me the freedom to pursue something creative, like start this YouTube channel to create my legal tech startup to try to help people. So I credit learning about personal finance with being able to pay off that debt. And that really changed my life. So I created the channel to share that passion of personal finance and taking control of your finances with other people. And I had zero tech experience, zero experience in front of the camera. Like, It was probably not, not, I was probably not well suited for YouTube a year ago. Maybe I'm still learning as well. But um, yeah, I just, I had this passion that I wanted to share with people. And between, I was looking at blogging versus YouTubing mm-hmm. and Blogging is more of my comfort zone. I, that's what mostly what you do as a lawyer is just write behind a computer. So it would have been such a natural integration for me. But something about YouTube, just uh, I think the connection that you can have with an audience by being right there, feeling like you're there in the room with them, you, you have your face on their TVs, you have <laughs> your, your face on their phone. Something about that connection was really powerful. And then I also think there's a much higher barrier to entry. And I I don't know the exact numbers, but I know there are way more blogs out there than there are YouTube channels because Mm -hmm. there is this barrier to entry. Not everyone wants to necessarily be on video, whether your face is on it or not. And because of that, I thought maybe that's a better way to reach an audience quicker. So that's why I jumped into YouTube.
0: Okay. Well, there's a lot to unpack there. So we're going to go, we're going to baby step through this. So the first thing I loved that you said is that it's personal finance. There's once again, proving that not every YouTube channel that's successful is a channel that's a GoPro channel or it's one of those entertainment vlogging channels that's full of drama. How-to channels are still doing ridiculously well. Personal finance isn't the sexiest thing that comes to mind, <laughs> but it's clearly something that people want. It's clearly something that people are searching for. So I love the fact that you're in the how-to niche and not necessarily just in the entertainment niche. So number one, right off the bat, that's great. But I do want to pick up on point number two about the blogging versus YouTube. So I run a a technology YouTube channel, but I also run a technology blog for very much the same reason. It was just natural fit for me to, I don't know, just bash away at the keyboard. Nobody has to see what I'm doing. You just put your content out there. You said something interesting. You said that you have zero tech experience. You weren't naturally fit for that camera. What made you record that first video? How scary was that?
1: It was terrifying. (laughs) I still remember it. I think I had honestly probably a 10 minute video. My first 10 minute video took me three hours to record because i was stuttering i was messing up so much <laughs> and even with that even with the three hours i didn't plug in the mic i didn't realize that the mic wasn't plugged in even though i had gone on amazon and bought this you know lav mic and i was so excited to try to uh keep up with the technology but yeah i didn't plug my mic in. so Whoops. the first video <laughs> was was no good but you know that is the hardest part of youtube is just doing the first video getting over the fear i mean As a lawyer, I had so many fears that uh, other lawyers would judge me. I had other lawyers tell me that, you know, being on YouTube is not professional, like no Mm. one's going to take you seriously, you're going to ruin your reputation. And so I was worried about people laughing at me, I was worried about failing, I was worried about a lot of things. But once you have your first video out there, it's out there in public, there's no taking it back. So my mentality was I might as well just embrace it and go for it and keep keep at it.
0: Love it. And that's the whole thing is that there it's easier for people who have never done it to go, no, 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 no. There's so much negativity out there. But, you know, I, I always say that it's a great expression. And, I, and I, forgive me, I don't know who actually said it originally, but it was something like never take travel advice from someone who's never left home. And, <laughs> you know, it's, it's all these people who probably don't have a YouTube channel who probably are not content creators i just giving you all the reasons why not. But yet you decided, uh, forget that. I am doing this. This is going to be fun. Terrifying, but eventually it's going to be fun. You must have learned a lot of um, secrets along the way as you were creating your craft and getting better and better. What's a good initial tip that you can remember from way back then? If somebody had just told you that, wow, that would have saved you a lot of heartache. What have you learned? that you can go back to yourself and tell you that?
1: That's a great question. I think probably one of the most important lessons this year is I always thought monetizing a YouTube channel was all about running ads on the YouTube channel, but I've learned that it can be very different. So I wish at month zero, someone would have told me how powerful affiliate marketing is and affiliate marketing for those who aren't familiar. It's, if you have a product or service that you love and that company has an so-called affiliate program, that means they give you a trackable link. And if someone clicks on that link, you might make a small commission. So one of the most popular ones on YouTube is Amazon, mm-hmm. the Amazon affiliate program.
0: Okay. So you, so that's great because again, love it like a hobby, treat it like a business. If you knew from way back then, right in your early days, don't wait for YouTube monetization, 4,000 hours and 1,000 subscribers. Right now on any video, no matter how big or small, you can apply to become an Amazon affiliate or any other company that product. perhaps you happen to be using in your video, apply to their affiliate program. They want more people talking about their products and you can essentially monetize. It's not going to be big, at least not initially, but you know what? It's free money. You're doing the work anyway. You might as well get paid Something for it, so that's a great tip for anybody just starting off the bat. But now, if I go through your channel and if I swing it around to today, we're recording this in November 2020 at the moment. I'm looking at your videos, and you've got a video with 851,000 views. It is something to do with a stimulus check. You've got another video with 164,000 views. Again, stimulus check. Another one with 150,000 views, a uh, stimulus check. You got a whole bunch of videos about stimulus checks. Why is that?
1: Yeah, so let's talk about that. That all happened starting in April. So, one of the important things to know about YouTube is there's evergreen content, which is content like, you know, how to save my tips for how to save $500 a month. That's evergreen because that could be relevant a year from now, two years from now. Mm-hmm. Then there's trendy videos. Trendy are relevant in that moment, usually higher search volume because people are looking it up. And my channel prior to April was all about evergreen. I really was not interested in creating trendy videos. And then one of the other things I'm doing, or I was doing on YouTube at the time was following a lot of creators on, in my niche, probably 70 creators in the personal finance niche Mm -hmm. and I started to see that people were posting videos about stimulus checks and at that time March 27th the cares act had just been signed into law which brought the first $1,200 stimulus check so a lot of people were searching this because there was some confusion about it and so I both saw that it was being searched frequently and then also that other creators were creating stimulus videos and doing well so, I thought, okay, maybe I'll make an exception to my rule. I'm going to try creating a stimulus video because it is relevant to personal finance. It's helping people learn about how they can get this $1,200. And so I broke my rule. I created my first stimulus video, and day one, it went viral for my channel, probably not viral for many other channels. But <laughs> so, on average, at that time, I had around 240 views. Of the first day so at that time I was around 2,000 subscribers and that first stimulus video got 5,000 views in the first day which wow. to me was just absolutely insane mm. and then the more exciting thing is a week later exactly one week after I posted that first stimulus video I posted another stimulus video and that got 68,000 views in the first day and eventually went up to over 800,000 views Wow.
0: Wow, wow, wow. And and just so we're clear, this was April 2020, right?
1: Yes, this is April of this year, just around the very end of the year. So it was probably at the end of my five months on YouTube.
0: Okay, so I, I, again, and the reason I want to be clear on this, because people tell us all the time, it's too late. It's too saturated. Everybody's already talking about every single topic out there. There is no way I'm going to be able to make it. Once again, here is yet another piece of evidence. I'm using lawyer talk. Can you see? Here's another <laughs> piece of evidence that says otherwise. This happened this year. So you found a great topic. I love what you said that you keep your eye on your competitions, essentially. What are other people in your niche talking about and how is that going? How do you find your competitors? Is it just people that you like to follow or do you view them as competitors? How do you know what's going on in your in your niche?
1: That's so funny. No, I don't view them as competitors. I view them as colleagues. I think the personal finance niche isn't, like you said, it's not that glamorous. So <laughs> I think we all help each other out by spreading awareness of why it is cool to budget and try to create passive income. So I think of us all as colleagues. I have tons of friends in the personal finance space now, but it is still important to study them and support their videos and see what's up because the YouTube algorithm does not lie. And when you see one of their videos going viral, there's probably a reason for that. And that's something that you can probably replicate on your channel.
0: Yeah, and I support that. I think the one thing that YouTube knows is that people that watch YouTube don't watch one video about one topic and then go and make a decision. We don't want, we don't watch, one Apple review video and go and buy the latest Apple phone. We'll watch five, six different view, videos about the same topic. Same thing with, with, the, with the personal finance channel. You watch one person talking about a topic. YouTube wants to recommend more videos in that niche talking about the same topic. So if you see another person doing really well in a specific subject, absolutely, it's a great indicator to get in on that. So that's great that you managed to do that. Now you, but stimulus check is a trend, right? It's something that happens. Do you think that you could have applied this if it like, applied a trend that perhaps wasn't necessarily for your channel and you would have just jumped on it anyway to get onto that viral bus? Or did you only specifically do stimulus because it kind of fits into the personal finance space?
1: I only did it because it fit into the personal finance space. I don't think thinking about the mission behind my channel, I don't think I would just jump on a viral trend just to try to go viral. I think for the stimulus, it was actually people were confused about it. And from the lawyer perspective, I was able to go through and read the entire bill and help dissect it in an, an eight minute YouTube video. So I think that's why I jumped onto it. But Yeah, I think that's probably generally the right thing to do is stick to trendy topics within your niche. Mm. And every single niche, there's going to be trendy topics. For you, obviously, with tech, it's the new release of iPhones or (laughs) (laughs) whatever. But I I think in every every niche, there's going to be a viral topic and you just have to be on the lookout and set Google alerts. That's also a great thing to do.
0: Yeah, just uh, every time somebody does something with the keywords you're watching, it just lets you know. And then you can research it, go into Google Trends, see whether that's something that you can make it apply for your channel. Loving all those, great advice. Now, let's talk about the difference between the evergreen versus trendy. So we know that evergreen isn't hot right out the gate. It's just gonna get you some views, but those views are gonna keep on coming for years and years to come. And trendy is gonna be hot out the, out the gate, getting you lots and lots of views, but because it's a trend, it potentially will then die down afterwards and not get you views in the long run. Nobody really cares about the Apple One today when the Apple 12 or the iPhone 12 is out. So are you finding that with your channel, your evergreen content is still bringing in new views, but your trending content is the ones that gives you a little bit of a bump every once in a while?
1: Definitely. So that's the thing that I didn't realize with evergreen versus trendy is my goal is to create passive income so i want passive income streams where i put in the effort up front and then for months or years to come the money still trickles back in Mm -hmm. that is what evergreen videos on youtube are because you never know if even if a video that's evergreen flops the first day it could get picked up by the youtube algorithm three months six months in. And that's what's happened to some of my videos. They didn't do really well off the bat, but then three months, six months in, they started to pick up traction. And now those are some of my best 48 hour performing videos. However, what's interesting about Trendy is you do have the opportunity to go viral with Trendy videos. I don't think it's often the case that evergreen videos like how to save $500 will ever go viral that's <laughs> yes. just not that exciting for people <laughs> <laughs> so the so i think of it like there needs to be a balance probably the right balance for most channels i would say if you're interested in passive income is probably 20% trendy 80% evergreen so you're really building up that database of evergreen videos that will continue to work for you However, if you're looking to grow quickly, then you flip that. You might want to do more viral and less, or I'm sorry, more viral and trendy and less evergreen. So it really depends on your priorities. But for me, I think I realized with my trendy stimulus videos, those really have a lifespan of one, maybe two days max. So in my ad revenue, you'll see it spike and then you'll see it plummet. Mm -hmm. And that's just what, that's just the nature of a trendy video. It's only, like you said, no one's searching the iPhone one right now. So it's only (laughs) relevant while it's, while it's in the news, while it's hot. And yeah.
0: And again, it's, it's the priorities of your business. If your business is long game and you want to be able to put all the effort in now to to reap those passive rewards later on, that evergreen should be your focus. If you're, If you're in a different headspace and you want to be super trendy, you want to be speaking on stages, you want to be attending VidCon and signing autographs, well, you're not really worried about the income. I don't know. Maybe your parents are still paying for you. I don't know. (laughs) Uh, In which case, trendy is where you should be focusing. So it's, again, it's your business. Where is your mindset at? And um, I do like to echo that one statement you said where videos could get picked up later. I can tell you, again, on my channel, I had a video that was picked up four months later. Evergreen content was picked up four months later by YouTube for some bizarre reason. And it's now sitting at 5.4 million views as we sit today. And you know, that's bringing in some lovely income. (laughs) So (laughs) it's again, It's about how you want your business to grow. So evergreen versus trendy. Evergreen, not so hot as you launch it, but it's got lots of lifespan. Trendy, very hot when you launch it very, very limited lifespan. But the one thing you keep on mentioning is about this passive income. Let's talk about that. There's a couple of ways that we can make money on our YouTube channels. We know we've already spoken about affiliates. That's a a quick, easy one. Everybody can do this regarding of your channel size. Any other tips for making some incomes with our channels?
1: Yeah, actually, I have great tips. So... (laughs) I'm
0: making notes. Wait, wait. I need to make notes. (laughs) Go for it.
1: (laughs) Okay. So because I am a finance channel, I love talking about money. This is right up my alley. So Mm -hmm. my goal with this year was to create $200,000 of passive income starting from zero. So in January, I was at zero. And what I did was created this video on my channel saying, I'm going to create this $200,000 of passive income, but oh yeah, I'm at zero right now. And what I did was I broke it into the different streams that I wanted, the different income streams. So for YouTube, I had YouTube ad revenue, and I think I said I wanted to make 16,000 from that, which everyone told me was ridiculous. (laughs) We obviously, now now we know in hindsight that I reached the goal, but it was probably ridiculous to state that. And then I also wanted to make affiliate money, so money from my affiliates, Mm -hmm. and then I also wanted to make money from sponsorships, and then oh, nice. somewhat, somewhat with that, I wanted to make it from partnerships as well. And partnerships are what I would consider longer, terms, uh, longer term sponsorships. And actually, the update on that was in that January video, I said I wanted to partner with SoFi. And SoFi is a personal finance company that I personally refinance my student loans with. And I said I wanted to partner with them. And a month ago, we officially made it happen, so.
0: Well done. That's great. It's something that you wanted to partner with a company that really helped you and something that you absolutely believed in. That is a beautiful, natural fit, as opposed to saying, oh, who's got the big bucks? It must be Coca-Cola. It must be Nike. Well, let me see if I can work with them. Uh, Yeah, you and everybody else. Whereas, (laughs) yeah, this was such a beautiful, natural fit. It just makes sense. Okay, sorry, I had to throw it out there. You're working now with sponsorships. You also mentioned partnership and sponsorships. Do you see them as different?
1: I see them as a bit different. Sponsorships, I think of as one-off videos where you're making okay. one video at sixty-second integration or one twenty-second integration and getting paid one time for that. Partnerships, I probably look at more of a long-term relationship where. Some people I talk to are doing four videos, one each month for Mm -hmm. the next four months. That's something I'd consider probably a partnership, but it, it does fall under the sponsorship realm of YouTube. So really for me, it's just those three income streams from YouTube, the ad revenue affiliates and sponsorships.
0: Let's discuss what CPMs are and are they different on different channels?
1: Yeah. So if you're not familiar, CPM is essentially how much YouTube the advertiser pays YouTube for every thousand views on your channel. And of that, YouTube is going to take 45% and they're going to give you about 55%. And the thing to realize is that CPMs vary widely based on what you talk about on your channel. How lucrative is it for advertisers? How much are advertisers bidding to show their ads on your channel? Because ads are just supply and demand, right? How many personal finance channels are out there and how many advertisers want to target people who are talking about personal finance money Mm -hmm. and so it really varies i think for gaming channels i saw a stat that maybe on average you're looking at about a two to three dollars cpm so two or three dollars for every thousand views you get on your channel for finance probably the average is between 25 to 30 dollars and e- <laughs> even within finance it varies so i have one video that says that's about going from zero to a thousand subscribers on youtube that has about a 25 cpm versus my video that i talked about earlier the how i'll build two hundred thousand dollars of passive income that has a $55 CPM, $55 right. nah, nah, for every 1,000 nah. views. Not
0: no, no, stop. The, okay, hold on. $55 per 1,000 views. That yeah. is insane. <laughs> this is, okay, so again, people, when you see a channel that has millions and millions of views, don't be mistaken that those millions and millions of views are translating into millions and millions of dollars worth of income, especially when it's something like you said, the gaming, the gaming niche, for example. We know so many creators that have got lots of videos with millions of views and they work two jobs. It still doesn't pay the rent, right? Whereas a channel that's got much smaller, in inverted commas, number of subscribers, but their finance section is so niche and so specific, so many more companies want their ads displayed there. Therefore, they're willing to pay much, much more. Uh, I've never heard of $55 CPM. Note to self: Change profession. Okay, got it. <laughs> okay, that is make a crazy your first video amount. on
1: passive income. Yeah,
0: <laughs> what I learned on Tube Talk today: How to make CPM fifty-five dollars. Okay, great. <laughs> Note to self: Right, <laughs> um, but that's a crazy amount, especially when you think of you know going back to what I said at the beginning. It's not like the hot topic. It's not a GoPro. It's not vlogging with lots of drama. It's something that's super, super specific, and yet it's super, super lucrative. Um, I love the fact that you had that goal of 200,000 and you put it out there into the world. Once again, going back to love it like a hobby, treat it like mm-hmm. a business. That is so critical. No business out there is going to open their doors and saying, well, we're going to do stuff and things and bunches and lots. No, you launch with a specific plan in mind.
1: Yeah. And on that, actually, I'll jump in. Yeah, is please. the... The treating it like a business aspect and the goal setting is so important. I don't necessarily recommend that everyone set monetary goals. That was just kind of because I'm a personal (laughs) finance channel. I love to set monetary goals. But to be honest, like, you know, 15,000 in ad revenue in your first year, probably most people aren't doing that. So that was probably a ridiculous goal. What I think you should actually focus on is output-based goals. So things that are completely in your control, like how many videos you produce per week. That's in your control. So I think those are the kind of goals that you should actually set for especially your first year on YouTube, which I think the first year is probably when the majority of people quit. And so for me, my goal for my first year, obviously I'm working full time as a lawyer. So my goal was what I could manage, which was one video per week, 52 Mm -hmm. weeks, no matter what, even if I only got one view on every single video. And so I think by creating these output-based goals, then you're not necessarily discouraged because obviously for me, setting this income goal, things worked out and that was nice. But if things hadn't worked out, then that would be sad. So it's better to have an output-based goal that you're in complete control of, like how many videos you're producing each week and stay committed to that.
0: Okay. Something that you can manage. It's something that you can deal with. It's something that you can actually see yourself doing and something that you can control big thing with the channels is all about getting exposure and getting out there in front of the right audience, getting the right people to see your stuff so that they could subscribe. They could watch your videos. They tell their friends. It's about that exposure wheel. And then we spoke on Facebook where you had this lovely post all about how you've been featured in all these amazing press outlets. How did you do that?
1: Yeah. So to get featured on press there are really two sites that I primarily use. One is called help a reporter out mm-hmm. and then the other is called quoted and that's more financial specific. So help a reporter out is pretty general and what will happen is reporters will be working on articles. So they'll have requests for quotes that they want for the articles. Like they want someone to speak about tips to uh, refinance student loans or something and then you'll respond and if they like your answer, they'll feature you. So that's one way I was able to do it. And I think that's a great way to do it to begin with, just to get your name into a few publications. But the way that I was able to get into Business Insider, for instance, I, they did a full feature on my channel about my growth, was just emailing the writer. So study journalists who are writing about topics that are relevant to you that would actually, they might be interested in your pitch and then just do that, pitch them, find their email address, write a convincing email about you know, your story and see if they're interested in featuring it. And I've had probably 90% success right now with Whoa. reaching out to writers and having them write stories on me.
0: All right. <laughs> oh, so, but you really need to do your homework. So the, these writers must get pitched 100 times a day. So, I think the big tip with this is follow them on social media, f- understand what they're passionate about, what really gets them excited, what bores them to death. And then, by the time you're ready to pitch, you have a beautiful, created story. Make their job easy, make it easy for them to say yes. What I've seen people do, a lot of creators do this, especially. It's the whole do you know who I am kind of situation. You know, I have a channel mm-hmm. and I've got a million subscribers. Yeah. And like, that's not even exciting, but if you have a beautiful story that makes the writer's job a lot easier. Sometimes they just have to fill pages and sometimes they've got to fill quotas and sometimes they really love your story. In which case they'll interview you and get more information out of you. But I love that idea of don't be afraid to cold pitch essentially and get out there, do the action. Very, very few times people are going to, reach out to you. You have to take those first steps, especially when you're starting to grow to get that exposure. Be proactive. Take action. You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Take those shots. You're going to get lots of no's, Apparently you don't, you get 90% success rate. Um, so that's, that's interesting. But um, a lot of us get- No, it. but
1: I get lots of no's in other realms of my life. So
0: it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but you got to know how to deal with them. I love what you're doing. I love the way that you're attacking us and you're very methodical. And clearly this is a business for you, but a business that you're passionate about. How else can we get more of this goodness? If people want more information on certain of these things, can they do that? What have you got going?
1: yeah perfect so i have to quickly add one more thing that i wish i would have said earlier yeah. is the thing to realize about youtube i know it's exciting to see that you know erica Kohlberg got made a hundred thousand dollars her first year of youtube but the thing to realize is that it's going to be slow growth so just to give you context because i did break down the numbers for you cool. my first five months on youtube i spent 20 hours a week on average on videos and really poured my heart into it was staying up till 3 a.m. after my full-time job working on YouTube. And that was 440 hours total, those first five months. I made $909 for affiliates. So that breaks down to $2.06 per hour. So I want to just say that number so that you realize that it's it's about slow growth and don't get discouraged if you're not seeing what you're hoping for right away because youtube is finicky you have to put the time in in order to see the results and you have to be okay that you might be making a dollar an hour two dollars an hour for the first six months for the first 12 months but eventually it will come back to you because obviously after those first five months, then things went really well for me. And that's how I was able to make the over $100,000. So just don't think of YouTube ever as a get rich quick scheme because it's not. Oh, yeah. Put the time into it and be patient with it. Don't give up. Don't get discouraged when your channel isn't doing as well as you had hoped it would be. At that time, support yourself with other YouTube creators who are in the same boat as you. You can talk about you know, your frustrations <laughs> and they can support you. So just really realize that, it's not going to be instant results, so don't expect instant results on YouTube, but do come to YouTube with a plan and just tackle that. Do your one video per week for a year. Do your two videos per week for a year. So that is my last message.
0: And Now I'm going to add on to what you just added on. Okay. <laughs> a lot of people look at people around them and go, how come they're blowing up? How come they're doing better than I am? How come I'm not doing as well? My content is better That is a surefire way to quit YouTube. You need to realize that the data that they have on their channel is different to the data that you have on your channel. And YouTube is going to treat it differently. The biggest kiss of death of YouTube is looking at something like Social Blade and saying, oh, I'm going to get to 1,000 subscribers in five years' time. Oh, what's the point? And then you give up. So as much as I love the data side of it, I agree. I think you need to understand that it is a long game. It will take time. And you know what happens over time? You get better and better at your craft. I mean, Erica, look at your first video compared to your last video. Would you say you've come a long way since then?
1: I think so. Hopefully, others <laughs> <just> think so.
0: <laughs> and how long does it take you to do an, a video now to edit and to script it and to shoot it and to upload it versus when you first started? Must be a lot faster too.
1: The scripting still takes a long time. So probably on average, I'm looking at 8 to 12 hours for a video. Right. When I started, it took 20 hours for a video. So it's so an it's, improvement.
0: So it's, it's getting there, right? It's getting uh, there. So, so that's the idea. The more you do, the better you get. So, but now can you tell us where people can get more information?
1: Yes. So you can go to Plug and Law if you're interested in legally protecting your business. I actually created a blog post specifically for YouTube creators, walking you through some of the things that you need to know to be in compliance with things like the FTC regulations. And that's plugandlaw.com again. And then you can just find me. Also on Erica Kohlberg, I created something special. I created a YouTube guide that talks more in detail about negotiating sponsorships, monetizing your YouTube channel, and really all of the tips and tricks I've learned, as well as the mistakes that I've learned from YouTube over the last year. So that's a free guide that you can download on my website.
0: You don't have to remember it. Simply open the show notes. It's all there. Go and grab a copy. I know I am certainly going to do that. Erika, thank you very much for sharing this great bits of information. Great chat. I think it's very inspirational that somebody can start in 2020 and do so well. And I have a feeling that you're only warming up. So we're going to definitely hear from you again, right?
1: Yeah, hopefully. (laughs) Please (laughs) invite me back on.
0: (laughs) Definitely. Great conversation, great chat, and lots of wisdom. So when you hit the 100,000, we cannot wait for that moment and really appreciate your time hanging out with us on Tube Talk.
1: Thank you so much, Leran. I really appreciate it.
0: Lots of fun. Thanks everybody for hanging out here on another episode of Tube Talk. Don't forget to smash that thumbs up and that subscribe button in your favorite podcast application. Share this episode with at least one other creator that perhaps is complaining, whining, moaning a lot, saying it's too late to be on YouTube. This is really, really going to help them have a plan. And don't forget, love it like a hobby, treat it like a business. I still love that. That absolutely should be a merch you should make t-shirts <laughs> we'll catch you guys Don't on steal the steal next... it <laughs> <laughs> erica will come and find you so thank you everybody for hanging out and we'll catch you on the next episode of tube talk cheers for now we hope you enjoyed this episode of tube talk brought to you by vidiq head over to vidiq.com slash tube talk for today's show notes and previous episodes enjoy the rest of your video making day